edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Media Podcast Network and on Patriots Press Pass on YouTube. I'm Evan Lazar, joined as always by Alex Barth. And Alex, I want to open the show with something that I think is more important than what maybe everyone's talking about right now in terms of what does this mean about Mac Jones, that Bill Belichick only trusted him to throw the ball three times in a windstorm in Buffalo. But I don't want to start there. I want to start with the Buffalo Bills because yes, if there's one angle that I feel like is ultimately going to be the most important thing that comes from this game, it's that Buffalo unraveled a, a little bit there at the end of that game. Now- If I could push back very quickly here. Yeah. You put that word in the past tense. I, I think that's a present tense word. I think the unraveling is still going on. Unravel. They are an unraveling that. Uh, Yes. I would put that. I think it is an ongoing situation. Yes. Yes. So they have now lost three out of five games. I believe it is four out of seven, four out of seven. They've alternated wins and losses going back to week five. Right. And I think the one thing that stands out the most to me about this Bills team is their head coach, Sean McDermott. It started spiraling for Sean McDermott during the game, right? He's on the sideline and he is unraveling. I mean, he is dejected. He is throwing a fit after every penalty or every call that doesn't go Buffalo's way. And you can tell that the team takes on his personality, right? And, and we talk about this so much with head coaches around the league and and the psyche of the team and, and the, the beat of the team really comes down to the head coach. And this is why last week when the Patriots played Tennessee that we were so complimentary of Mike Vrabel because he, a lot like Bill Belichick, has his moments on the sideline, certainly where he has, they have their blowups and they lose their minds for 10 seconds, but then they bring it back in, right? Then they, they hone it back in. And when their team, when their players look at Bill Belichick on fourth down from the 10 yard line with the game on the line, he is cool as a cucumber, right? Whereas with Sean McDermott, you see the unraveling start to happen. And, Ultimately, the point I'm, I'm trying to get at here is I think that Belichick, and, and I don't put this past Bill at all. I, I truly believe that Belichick thinks like this. I think Belichick knew that they had an opportunity to not only beat Buffalo in Buffalo on Monday night, but they also had an opportunity to bury the Buffalo Bills psychology wise brain whatever whatever the word is i'm looking for right in in their brains in their minds and he looked at this game and he said let's go in there let's run the football let's not even throw the football we don't even have to throw the football to beat you guys right we're just gonna run it 46 times and we're not even gonna go there and then we're gonna beat you in prime time on national tv on your own field and we're going to watch you implode. And that was exactly what we got on Monday night. And now I am fascinated after the game, Sean McDermott, all sorts of salty at the post game press conference. I thought the questioning to Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer 
the was it embarrassing to get run on like that was an embarrassing question, quite frankly. But at the same time, the way that they handled themselves, I think, was indicative of this entire point that I'm trying to make or the entire take that I'm having right now, that this team is in a fragile mindset right now. And they can be picked and prodded at by the media, especially their own local media, going after them a little bit for some of the decisions and some of the things that they did. And if there's a big picture takeaway to come away from this game, it has nothing to do with Mac Jones's right arm. It has everything to do with the fact that the Patriots might have just buried the Buffalo Bills for good, at least this season. I, I said this to you last week. I've been saying it for months. I never believed that was a mentally strong team. That was a front runner team. The house of cards has come crashing down on the Buffalo Bills. And I know this is a Patriots podcast. We'll get into the Patriots, but I learned more about the Bills in that game. Me too. Than I did about the Patriots. And I think what the Bills showed you is they are frauds, complete frauds, division pick, consensus division pick, popular Super Bowl pick. Yeah. No, no, that is an average football team. That is an average football team with an above average roster being dragged down by their coach. I have notes. I've been stewing on this game uh, for a few days now. So, I mean, we, we can start wherever, but, uh, you know, kind of to a point that you made, I think Bill's game plan, and you talk about Mac, I don't think it says, like, to me, it does not say a lot about Mac. What it tells me is one, it, so it could be one of these things or it could be both of these things. First off, Bill thinks this is a very legit defense. Like sometimes, and I'm oversimplifying here, but sometimes the way teams look at game planning is, okay, this is the number we've got to get to. If we score this many points, our defense can do enough that will win us the game. And as absurd as this sounds, I almost wonder if Bill looked at this game, whether included, and said, we can win this game if we score 14 points. If we get to 14 points, as long as we don't do anything stupid, we can win the game. And right. that reflects how highly he thinks of the defense. The other side of that, and again, this could be, it could be both of these two things hand in hand. It could be one or the other. I'll leave that up to the viewer to decide. I think Bill showed you what he thinks of the Buffalo Bills. And Josh Allen, which I want to get I was going to say, and yeah. Sean McDermott and Josh Allen. Yeah. Because again, in my mind, he, I mean, maybe he set that number. Maybe it wasn't 14. Maybe it was 17. Maybe it was 20. But right. that was a low number that he set to win that game. And... I trust Bill Belichick's opinion on the Buffalo Bills a lot more than I trust anybody else's because it's a football matter. And I trust Bill Belichick's opinion on football matters more than just about anybody else. Um, and then, like you said, I mean, this was a psychological nightmare. Bill Belichick is essentially playing saw with Sean McDermott right now. Right. Because as bad as that loss was, and the whole thing about the is it embarrassing question, the crux of it, the reason that question is such a tough ask is, yeah, it is embarrassing. Those guys aren't going to admit it, but yes, it is embarrassing. Are they supposed to say no? Because that right. would be a worse answer. But, you know, as bad as that loss was mentally to take if you're the Bills, what Sean McDermott comes out and says after the game, and I don't know if you want to get into it now. We can get into it later. I do want to talk about it. Some of the things said Sean McDermott said after the game, there might be no coming back from. And it's right. not just the quote about Bill. It's multiple things he said. And there were some other little pot shots at Bill. And, you know, the Isaiah McKenzie thing, for instance, which again, I don't want to go too far down that road because we might not come back over the next hour. But again, 
You're alternating wins and losses since week five. That locker room is clearly on edge. Yeah. And now the coach is calling out players for a game they lost. I'll say this about the Bills. I actually thought for the most part they executed well given the circumstances. But now the players blaming coaches, or, or sorry, the coaches blaming players for a game they lost because of coaching, which is a pattern, by the way, in Buffalo. I don't know how you bounce. And now you've got to turn around and face Tom Brady. Yeah. I don't know how you bounce back for this. And I said it Monday night, and I'll say it again. If I'm a decision maker in Buffalo, these next, what, what is it, six games they have left? These next six games, Sean McDermott is coaching for his job. And I don't know that that will ultimately happen just because of what happened before McDermott. And he, di- he did get them to the playoffs where they hadn't been in 20 years. And I, I, I think the Pagulas are fine just making the playoffs at this point. But if you if the Bills really want to win a Super Bowl, like if, if they really want to win a Super Bowl and they don't just want to be fringe contenders, you need to take a really close look at Sean McDermott and specifically his relationship with the players and how he handles in-game adjustments down the stretch here. Because I, right now, that's not a coach that can win a Super Bowl. It's not. Yeah, and, and you look at Belichick's reaction after the game and Belichick's reaction on the sideline after the fourth down play goes incomplete and how pumped up and excited Belichick was about winning this game. But I thought specifically we saw the – inside the locker room look that they post after every win on Patriots.com where he said, this is why we practice in this shit, right? This is why we go out there and practice in the rain and practice in the snow and practice when it's 25 degrees out in Foxborough and they go outside and they practice in the shit weather here in New England to prepare themselves for those types of games. And I think that Belichick cares about those types of things right i think he cares about sending statements and messages to his team the patriots were able to go out there and establish themselves as the tougher team the more mentally tough team but also the physically tougher team the team that's built to play in these types of elements the team that is prepared to play in these types of elements and they went out there and they were able to establish all this and then they also can tout that stat that they are the first team to win a game in the nfl with only three pass attempts since 1974 and I, I'm not going to fold Navy midshipman on you that, that Belichick was purposely trying to win a game with only three pass attempts. Well, did you see he was wearing the Navy mask I did before see. the game? Yeah, I did see. But what I'm saying is, is this would have been a somewhat memorable game if they had pulled off this upset or pulled off this win in regular conditions. And I'm sure the players would have been jacked up about it and all that kind of stuff. But David Andrews, I thought summed it up perfectly of what the whole point was. And that was, he got up to the podium after the game and said, this was the most memorable game of my entire career. His entire, this is a guy that's won three Super Bowls. And he said that this is the most memorable moment, or is it two? Two or three? Two, because two, it's me- Brian Stork and 14. Yeah, this is the most memorable game of my entire career, he said. And those are the types of games that not only mess with the psyche of the opponent, who just happens to be your biggest uh, competition in your division, but they're also the type of games that rally your team and build 
the chemistry and the bond inside the locker room amongst the guys on the current Patriots roster. I We've been covering the team since 2018, Alex, and I have never seen the Patriots I wouldn't use the word fun. They're obviously having fun, but I think that's the wrong word in this context. They're having, they love each other. They genuinely love and care and are playing for each other this season. And we'll see if it ends up mattering once we get into January and into the postseason and talent wins out and all that kind of stuff. And we'll see if that bonding and all that matters. But Bill Belichick cares that this is now a memorable game. For yeah. the Patriots, and they went back on that flight team flight home, and I am sure it was a party on Aircraft One, right? And well, Trent party. Brown, Trent Brown tweeted yesterday at like two o'clock that he hadn't been to sleep yet, right? And, and they have the bye week, so enjoy it, right? It's the bye week, exactly. So the vibes, the the camaraderie, the historical context of what they did in Buffalo, all of that matters from both angles, and yeah. I know we're we're kind of singing the praises of the Patriots a lot here and laying it on thick, but I really feel like we're getting too caught up in the minutia of they only ran it, uh, passed it three times. What's that say about Mac Jones? What's it say about Josh Allen that he could throw it 30 times in those types of conditions? And I, I don't think that ultimately that is what the whole point is here. The whole, the whole point is, is that the Patriots – were able to win in such an unorthodox, wild, unthinkable way in the really a, a, what was a, a windstorm. It, it was blizzard-like conditions before the game. The snow kind of tapered off once we got into the game. But the, the wind itself was nasty all night long. And this is a game that they will remember on both sides, the Patriots yeah. and the Bills. And I think that that is exactly what they were going after. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the flip side of that is if you're the Bills, especially if you're the Bills defense, and look, the defense wasn't at fault in this game as much as the offense and specifically the coaching. But if you're the Bills, how do you get up and look at yourself in the mirror? And you knew what the play was. You knew what they were doing. The Bills, like if you go back and watch late in that game, the Bills stopped covering receivers. Yeah, they just were. They were blitzing 11 players. They were sending everybody. It was, you know, Fifth grade Pop Warner football, and they still couldn't stop it enough. Like, I, you don't, you just don't bounce back from that. You don't bounce back from that. And so, I don't know if you want to move on to the Mac Jones stuff now. If you want to, I want to move on to, I want to move on to the Mac stuff in a second. But I actually want to talk because, look, so wait, in that case, actually, I want to give you something you were talking about, like some tangible, a tangible explanation of what you're talking about. Mike Reese tweeted a video yesterday of, you know, if you look in the background on the Damian Harris run, the first guy in the end zone is Brandon Bolden, who wasn't on the field. He's on the bench. Yeah. And you see him kind of running down. And that's been a little, you know, that's becoming a little bit of a pattern. Uh, Jacoby Myers touchdown. I don't remember who it was, was the first one down, but it was somebody who wasn't on the field, wasn't one of the 11 on for that play. Uh, you've seen it a couple times this year where uh, there was even one of the, one of the big Nick Folk field goals, one of the first people to greet him on the field was I think Devin McCourty who doesn't play on, on the field goal unit. So this is becoming a thing where the first guy, and it's not that the other 10 guys on the field are being relaxed when they score, but the first person to celebrate the score has been somebody who's not on the field. So that's, I mean, it's a little thing, but you, you pick up on these little patterns. The little things make the difference. 
Yeah, so I want to talk about Josh Allen and the Patriots defense actually first before we talk about Mac because okay. that's truly how I feel that this game, the layers of this game should be stacked. I think we're putting Mac at the top because that's the hot, juicy topic to talk about. I actually think this is almost a footnote in this game. Yeah, and I'd what agree. Came away from this game. So the next thing I want to talk about is the Patriots defense, which I wrote today. I thought this was their best performance of the season, given all the context, right? Given the fact that right. the offense was running the football exclusively, the, the Bills had ample opportunities to drive the football. They were 0 for 3 in the red zone outside of the Nikhil Harry muck punt one play type of thing. And the Patriots defense really locked down when it mattered most at the end of the game twice in the red zone. I want to take a second to shout out our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline has you covered all season, more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. But I want to talk about Josh Allen because the narratives and and you co you come after this game and you hear a, a lot of the national media talking about how good of a ball Josh Allen was throwing on Monday night given the conditions and I give him a lot of credit he was throwing a, 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 the ball through the wind extremely well and you definitely saw the arm strength there and, and it was impressive but I actually think that Belichick's strategy of being willing to run the ball the way that they did and win this game 14 to 10 was a big indictment uh, on Josh Allen and, and what Bill Belichick thinks uh, of Josh Allen. And the one thing in particular of uh, watching this game back was Josh Allen does not want to step up in the pocket. He does not want to step up in the pocket. He doesn't want to hold the football and get through a full field progression. The entire game, he was skittish. He was impatient. And as soon as his first read wasn't there, he was taking off it, and I, I, whether it was breaking the pocket to go and run and throw on the move or just taking off on a scramble. There was one play in particular, the Patriots dropped into man coverage and he did gain some good yards on the scramble. He didn't even look to throw, right? As soon as he saw man coverage, he just took off and the impatientness, the skittishness in the pocket, the lack of trust in his offensive line, especially his interior offensive line to me was the biggest part of the entire game plan for the Patriots defense was they knew that if they could get Josh Allen rattled and if they could get him to be a one read thrower, right? If first read not there, let's take off. That was what the game plan was from the pads defense. Keep him in the pocket as much as you can in terms of not letting him out left or right, make him go up and through the pocket and they did a great job of that all night long and really uh, 4.8 yards per attempt a negative EPA per play for Josh Allen. This was not a good quarterback performance at all. Even though they were able to get into the red zone a few times, this really, uh, the Patriots defense absolutely shut down the Bills passing game. And I don't think the weather conditions were the only reason why. Uh, it, it felt like the weather was a factor, but for Allen, he threw the ball pretty well. 
I, I didn't think it was a major factor. And, and the Patriots, unlike the Bills defense, the Bills defense still haven't seen the Patriots game plan in terms of their right. Path game. Right. right? They, the, the Patriots can, they, Josh McDaniels is going to have a really easy week 16 because he's going to be able to wake up on Monday morning and just use the exact same game plan in the passing game that he had scheduled for week 13. Assuming whereas, he had one scheduled. Yeah. Whereas the Patriots saw Buffalo's passing arsenal. They were fully healthy uh, on the offensive line and in the receiving corps. Josh Allen was fully healthy. They saw the entire package from Buffalo's offense on Monday night and they shut it down for the most part. It was an extremely impressive performance, but I think the crowning of Josh Allen as talented and as good as he can be playmaking wise, he was definitely seeing some ghosts or, or, or something in that game, especially towards the end of the game when he was running all around the place. So I was actually kind of impressed just the way he was throwing the ball into the wind. I, you know, yeah. I, I, I think credit to him on that, but yeah, he got panicky. What a better example than he thought he had that free play, you know, on that third down late in the game and he essentially throws the ball away. That's a rookie mistake. And look, should that have been encroachment? Maybe, I don't know. Should have been right. neutral zone inflection. But the reality is you've either got to look for the flag before you check that away. I mean, that's a full team breakdown. Either Allen's got to see the flag or somebody from the bench or, or, or one of the linemen, somebody has to yell flag. Like I actually went back and listened. I don't hear, and I, maybe the mics didn't pick it up, but I don't hear anybody call for free play. Like nobody, it's like you call fumble, right? Ball, ball. Right. You hear teams call out for the free play when that happens with the offsides. I didn't hear anybody call it. Um, it doesn't look like Allen looks for the flag. I, you know, you can't see his individualized move, but his head doesn't move. Um, so who knows? Who knows? I mean, I thought right there, that was a great example of it, of he's so used to doing one thing. And this is a bigger problem with the Bills as a whole, another mathy team. Unfortunately, I don't have my scoreboard with me today because where it is is a, a, a COVID exposure there. I wasn't there when it happened. But, um, yeah, he just – they want to do one thing. They want him to run around in the pocket for eight seconds and throw a Hail Mary. That's right. their whole offense, and they're not going to change it. In between the Patriots' pass rush and the wind – you, you're, it was never going to work. It was never going to work. And the biggest problem with the Bills is they, they're they they're solely one-dimensional. In everything they do, in every single thing they do, they're solely one-dimensional. And yeah, real quick on the officiating. Somebody mentions it in the chat. Miles um, Bryant, that shouldn't have been a penalty. You know, if that's not a penalty, that revolutionizes the game. Because what you should do is get near the sideline and then just jump forward. Right. Because as long as you're in the air, right? And anyway, um, I thought the officiating was brutal both sides. I thought it looked like they were guessing on half the spots. I don't know what it looked like in person. I talked to some fans who were there for you uh, on TV. It looked like they were really guessing on some of those spots, which makes the challenge from Sean McDermott all the worse. And look, I don't know that Mac picked up that first down. I really didn't think he got it initially, but you can't challenge. Anyway, I'm going on a whole other tangent, but yeah, um, I, I, Josh Allen wasn't the Bills biggest problem in this game, but I think there was a level of, and you know, this goes back. It goes back to when they faced the Jaguars. He wants to do one thing. If he can't do that one thing and that offense can't do that one thing, which is throw the ball deep, which is the hardest thing to do on a consecutive basis. They're really going to struggle. And, and somebody else bringing up a good point too. Uh, credit to Matt Judon, who kind of cracked Josh Allen early in that game. And, 
I don't know that, like how bad he was hurt and he didn't really show many signs of it, but he came up wincing after that hit. And you don't know what that, you know, what that impact had. And obviously you don't root for injuries, but the Patriots defense has done a good job in recent weeks or sorry, we don't root for injuries. We'll get into the bills fans later. Um, uh, the Patriots defense has done a good job over the course of this winning streak of letting the quarterback feel their presence, right? Not yeah. just getting to the quarterback, but really kind of ringing his bell early on and and making him think they're in the pocket. And I thought that was, I don't know how much it affected, right? It affected Josh Allen less than it affected, impacted, right? Like a Baker Mayfield or Justin Herbert, but you could tell he kind of felt that at least for a little bit there early in that game. So credit to Judon, who I thought once again played well. Yeah, it's crazy to me because the two metrics that really stand out for to me that kind of put this in context with Josh Allen during a game where the winds were 35 plus miles an hour, Josh Allen's average depth of target was 11.1 yards. So the Patriots were playing man, man, man to man coverage uh, a lot of the game, but they were also playing a lot of cover three zone and they're playing pretty soft coverage for the most part. They pressed them a little bit later on in the game, but there was a lot of soft coverage underneath, especially on early downs. And the success that the bills were having in their passing game was taking the profit, right? Just taking those little dinks and dunks. And although we didn't nail the game plan completely because of the weather conditions, they didn't play a ton of too high. Uh, they played mostly single high structures to put the extra guy in the box against the run. But the openings were there for the Bills underneath the defense, right? The the short throws the Patriots were giving to him all night long. And he found some success. He actually did hit a few of them uh, to Stephon Diggs, uh, one to Emmanuel Sanders, and uh, one to Gabriel Davis stick out in particular where he did take some of those check downs and he did take some of those underneath throws, but then he kept holding the ball, holding the football, holding the football and trying to get out the pocket and trying to throw the ball down the field. And when you come away from it on a per throw basis and your average time to throw is over three seconds in this game for Josh Allen and your average depth of target is over 11 yards per attempt. That is playing exactly into the type of formula that Bill Belichick wanted to bait him into, right? If you stand in there in the pocket, if you're Josh Allen and you take the quick game check down type of concepts at the Patriots were just handing out to him, they were handing out to him. And there's one play I, I wanted to post it on Twitter. I didn't really feel like having Bill's mafia attack me some more. Do it. Do it. It's so fun. There's one play there. The Patriots actually did drop into a too high shell they drop into cover two and Emmanuel Sanders is, runs a little hook route, right? And he is wide open. I mean, wide open underneath the defense and he is jumping up and down, literally Please jumping up and down, Please trying this. to get Josh Allen to throw him the football. And Josh Allen's eyes are all the way down the field and have no interest whatsoever in throwing poor Emmanuel Sanders, the football wide ass open underneath the defense and it's it's ironic to me because before the game the Monday Night Football broadcast I saw somebody tweet about this that Josh Allen told the Monday Night crew Lewis Riddick said it and said that I know that Belichick and these other coaches are trying to get me to be patient and trying to get me to take what is there and, and trying to bait me into holding the ball and trying to throw the ball down the field he said he knew it was coming and then he went out there and did that. Right. It, it, it just, it's mind blowing to me. And a lot of it has to, 
it has to speak to coaching a little bit, right? Yes. That they can't get him to take the short throws because they were moving the football in the passing game by dinking and dunking. And we're not even right. getting into the fact that the weather was a factor to throw the football down the field, right? So it was a struggle to throw the ball down the field, even for Josh Allen at times. Look, he has Stephon Diggs behind the defense against Jawan Williams on a little stutter and go double move. And the ball is just all over the place up in the, uh, in the air because of the wind. Right. And right. it ends up wrong shouldering Stefan Diggs and, and Stefan Diggs drops the pass. I thought Dawson Knox earlier on in the game on third down probably would have caught the pass. Adrian Phillips came in late and broke great it play. up. Right. Great, great play. play by Phillips. I thought Knox probably would have caught that pass if the, if it was better conditions. Right. But the ball kind of died on Josh Allen because he was throwing the ball into the wind. So you see all well, how about things. how about the the, the penalty was it the, yeah, the second to last play the sec I think it was the second to last play of the game where because it remember it's third and 14 from the 17th yeah. so there was like a minute and change left yeah and they could have gotten a first down it was they need to get to the four yard line for the first down he asked Stephon Diggs wide open. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wide open for one. the first down, extend the game. Yeah. But he's not – he's only looking in the end zone. Yeah. This isn't even like a short pass. Like it was a 15-yard pass. But, nope, he's only looking end zone. And it's almost like the Patriots knew it because yeah. they had all their defenders in the end zone. They knew – because, like – so I watched the game with my dad, right? And he, he, he said something like – he said something to me, oh, they can still get the first down. And – I kind of realized in that moment, the Bills, I don't think the Bills either, one, they don't realize that, or two, they don't care. They were scoring They were scoring a touchdown once they got inside the 20, and the Bills' red zone offense has been a problem all year, and I wonder if this is part of it. Because remember, this was the problem with the Patriots earlier in the season, and they've since fixed this. But remember, they would get down to like the 17, 18-yard line and then stall, and some the biggest pro, the biggest issue with that was they couldn't get that one first down in the red zone, right? They couldn't get the ball to the seven or the six instead of the and goal situation. And those issues weren't the same reason. It's not because they were only looking in the end zone. It's the opposite. It's because they got super conservative, which again, they've since fixed. But for the Bills, okay, you're at the first and 10 from the 15. Are you actually trying to get the ball inside the five? Or once you get inside the 20, are you just locking into the end zone? Because that is not at all a consistent way to play offense. It's just not like you can't, it'll work sometimes, especially when you have Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen. Sure. But you're, you can't sustainably win games by doing that. You have to be willing to get that second first down. Once you get in the red zone and all night, I mean, specifically on that last drive, but really all night, the bills were totally disinterested in the yellow line. Once they got inside the 20 yard line. Right. So the play on third down is, is the one I posted and, and Sean Davis rotates in initially into the over route window and, and kind of like a cross window type of play. Right. And all Josh Allen has to do is wait for Stefan Diggs to clear Sean Davis on the other and throw the right. ball on the other side of Sean Davis and Devin McCourty's playing post safety. He's in the middle of the field. He's in the end zone. He's maybe eight to 10 yards away from Stefan Diggs when Stefan Diggs clears uh, Sean Davis underneath and Josh Allen looks right at Stephon Diggs, sees the rotation come into the into the original throwing window, moves on, looks left to Cole Beasley, and try thinking about making a far hash throw to a return route on the sideline of Cole Beasley, realizes that's a bad idea, and then panic sets in. And he and then he and then he starts doing circles 
literal circles in the pocket trying to get away from defenders. He does end up breaking like three or four tackles in the pocket, to be fair. And then he throws the ball to Dawson Knox incomplete. But you just look at the unwillingness to stand there and hold the football in the pocket and maneuver the pocket and work the pocket and have any sort of poise or composure in the pocket is something that I wasn't necessarily expecting from Josh Allen, to be honest with you. I, I, I thought he was going to be calmer in the pocket and, and calmer uh, and trust his stuff and trust his, his teammates and his line uh, to hold up a little bit better. And he was not calm whatsoever. And it was, it was pretty incredible to watch him completely just unravel. Yeah. And it takes after the head coach, like we said at the beginning of the show. All right. Uh, we got to talk about this Mac stuff. I, I hate it. I think it's ridiculous. But I think it is a, a question worth asking and posing here about whether or not – what what was it, right? Was it that the wind was so bad that the Patriots truly don't believe that, that Mac Jones has the arm strength to cut the ball through the wind like that? Because I find that hard to believe to a degree, not because I think that Mac Jones has the biggest arm in the world, but you also don't need to throw it far, right? I mean, he right. could have, they could have thrown five yard checkdowns the entire game, but at least had some semblance of a passing game. Was it that in my mind, the bigger reason why, and I think Patriots fans take it a little bit too far too. I think there's a middle ground here, right? Some of the national media are saying that, that Mac Jones has a noodle arm and that's why Bill Belichick wouldn't trust him to throw the ball in the wind. Patriots fans are, are lauding at, at the, the patience and the composure of Bill Belichick to run the football. And I think there's some sort of middle ground there that exists, right? Where right. both sides are a little bit right in, in this case. But where I come down on it is if the Bills had ever pushed the envelope to actually take the lead in this game, then I do think the Patriots would have changed up their approach in terms of the passing game. If Buffalo, they have those two red zone drives in the fourth quarter, right? If Buffalo scores a touchdown on either one of those drives, then the Patriots are going to have to open it up. Yeah, what happened, what happened to Mr. Math Boy being aggressive? What what were what the hell were those field goals? Yeah, I, sorry I to cut know. you off, but like, why the hell was yeah. he kicking field goals there? Yeah, I I think that's the biggest thing is if if Buffalo goes in and scores with two minutes left and it's seventeen fourteen, you're telling me that the Patriots were just going to keep running the football? I I just find right. that extremely hard to believe. At that point, they would have opened it up, but the Bills never forced the Patriots to to throw the ball. They never did. And I think that the one thing that you look at in terms of projecting into the week 16 matchup and what, and what carries over is I really think that this is going to be in Buffalo's head that the Patriots ran the ball 46 times and only threw it three times, 94% of their plays runs. And now when they face the bills in week 16, the bills are going to crowd the line of scrimmage. They're going to stack the box the conditions will probably be a little bit better. And now not. here and now here comes the play action passes and here comes the throws for Mac Jones, right? It's going to open everything up because this is going to be in their heads that we can't give up that kind of yardage on the ground again. So, again, I think if the envelope had been pushed to the point where the Patriots really needed to throw the football, then they would have thrown the football. But it was clear that they were content just running out the clock. 
Yeah, they, they, they were, especially that third quarter drive where they basically possessed the ball for 90% of the third quarter. They were discontent with holding the football, playing ball control, running the ball. And ultimately, they saw that they were gaining just as many yards as the Bills by just running it. Right. right. So, I mean, it, it, it's really I, I, I think this is a one off, odd, weird ridiculous situation that people are trying to manifest into a bigger point about Mac Jones when this is truly an, an anomaly and, and something that I don't think we're ever going to see again. Yeah. You know, and look, this is an original take. I saw Tom Curran say something similar. I saw Jeff Howe say something similar. Did Bill not trust the Mac to throw the ball or did he just not need to do it? Right. And, and like you said, if the Patriots get up, who knows what happens. Right. But well, I mean, let's let's break it down da- break it down to its its most simple elements because that's really what this whole game was. This was football, especially when the Patriots run offense. This was football in, a, in in its most pure, uncut, unfiltered form. No additives, right? It was you're eleven, they're eleven. Who can push who back? So, you know, I don't I don't like to always oversimplify things, but basically, when you're on offense, you have two choices: you can run the ball, or you can pass the ball. And it's a game of risk and reward running again. We're oversimplifying here. There's different kinds of runs, different kinds of passes. But when you run the ball, it's low risk, low reward. You're not risking as much, but you don't have as much of that explosive playability. When you throw the ball, you can move the ball more in chunks, right? But there's more risk and risk doesn't just mean interception. It means, you know, risk can be as simple as, okay, now you're in second and 10 and your chances of converting you know, a first down, once you get into second and 10, drop significantly. And I know this sounds like analytics. It's not analytics. It's common sense. If you need math to tell you this, you just might not understand the game of football. But it basically, so here's my point. Yes. They get that lead. And I talked about this before, right? Every, teams, they'll set that number. And they say, okay, if we can get to this number of points, we feel good our defense can take the game from here. When they get to that 14, Right or whatever the number was, they clearly felt they were at or close to the number. Why throw the ball? They basically said, hey, we're doing enough running the ball. Why take the risk? And again, the risk doesn't mean, oh, Mac Jones is going to come out and throw, you know, 10 picks, but you're in the wind. The ball's going to do unpredictable things. And again, risk can mean an offensive holding penalty, right? More likely in, in the passing game. A risk can mean, again, just falling back into second and 10, you know, a tip pass at the line. Like there's all these different factors that you eliminate when you just run the ball. And I think given the spot and all of that, plus game plan, what do the bills do best defensively cover the pass, right? They've got probably the best safety duo in the league. Right. And I see bills fans bitching and moaning. Oh, well, Hoyer, you know, Poyer and Hyde basically didn't get to play in this game. Imagine what would have happened if they actually played. No, it's not. They didn't get to play. It's called game planning. And I know Bills fans might not know what that is because their team doesn't do it. But what smart football teams do is look at what the other team does well and take that away. So there were a uh, number 23, Micah Hyde was the deep safety on Damian Harris's 64 yard touchdown and completely ran himself out of the play. So job, good effort. Yeah. Yeah. Um, If he he actually paced that out correctly, then maybe it wouldn't have been a 64-yard touchdown. So exactly. he played in the game, trust He me. did play. You're correct. Yeah. You're correct. Uh, but ultimately, the point I'm trying to make is, look, 
with some of it, maybe you got a young quarterback. So here's the other problem. Josh Allen, like I said before, I thought was actually throwing well into the run or into the wind, sorry. But Josh Allen also has the strongest arm in the NFL. It's him right. or Mahomes. So Mac, like Mac was going to look like he, anybody's going to look like they have a weak arm next to Josh Allen. I don't think it's that Mac has the weakest arm. Like, I think he's about average. Again, doesn't have the bazooka that, that Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen has, but I don't think it's a limitation either. I think it is what it is. Yeah. But young quarterback doesn't have plus arm strength against a good passing defense. Why, why throw? Like, that's why people, why didn't they throw more? People ask. My question back would be, well, why should they? Because let me pose this. Let's say they throw the ball 25 times in that game. In the winds, taking the ball everywhere. And Mac throws a couple picks and they keep getting behind the chains. Aren't we on here right now asking why the hell Belichick was throwing the ball in those conditions? Sure. This is, it it, it made the most sense to do what they did. Just to be, just to to make both sides of the argument here though. What the Patriots did and with their strategy looks brilliant now because they won the football game, but they were dancing on a fine line here, right? They, they truly were dancing on a, on the edge yes. in terms of well, the, the their margin of victory or, or, or their margin for error defensively was razor thin because of the way that they were playing on offense. The only time that I thought where I started to maybe second guess it just a little bit about the oh, really just neglecting the passing game altogether yeah. was it felt like all game long, the Patriots were setting up for the one play action pass when it late in the game right Right. to put the game away and they drove into the red zone on that third quarter drive that went into the fourth quarter they got down to the buffalo 10 yard line the bills got 10 guys in the box everybody's up at the line of scrimmage and i really thought they were going uh with the wind right the wind was at their backs i really thought that on that opportunity they could have snuck one of the tight ends behind the entire Bills defense like they did with Johnny Smith earlier in the game. And I know the throw got away from Mac Jones, and that probably was a big reason why they just said, screw it, we're going to run the football the rest of the game. But I thought maybe they could have put the game away there. By The Bills at that point were firing their entire team, was just yeah. going up the field against the run, right? Linebacker level, defensive line, everybody was just shooting a gap and and, and really b- basically uh, blitzing the run at that point. But well, I, I mean, I'll say it they again. They could have snuck somebody by Sorry. and maybe they don't have to squeak away 14 to 10 and it's 21-10 and the game is over, right? That's all I'm saying. If you want to second guess it a little bit, it was that it was a very, very thin line that they were walking and that the defense breaks at all and then they lose that game. Well, that's and that's why I said at the beginning of the show, I think the biggest takeaway from this game for the Patriots is just how highly Bill Belichick thinks of this defense. Like, I don't know. Let me put it this way. If this is the defense from the first four weeks of the season. Even with that lead, I think they throw the ball a little more. I, I think that the offensive game, honestly, the offensive game plan told me more about what they think of the defense than what they think of the offense. I think they were fine walking that line because Bill trusts his defensive unit that much. Yeah, and, and they, they so. lived up to it. I want to talk about the running game here a little bit because we got to talk about it. Yeah. First of all, 
Everybody on the bus, and I know we're trashing Buffalo, and they deserve it. So I don't. Oh, know. I haven't even again. I have this list. I've barely cut into it. Like we haven't even started. I haven't even yeah, started. We could yet. talk about the run game for a little bit. That I know you. I know you. You got some things to say, and I'm excited to hear it. But I, I want to talk about the run game for a second. First and foremost, and I'd say this about the Bills' offensive line and their tight end Dawson Knox, who everybody in Buffalo thinks is one of the best tight ends in football, and is as soft as as they don't be. anymore. Right? They don't yeah. anymore. <laughs> I. Can everybody in Buffalo find a weight room, please? Like, it is absolutely crazily astonishing to me how soft that defensive front was. First of all, they didn't even have an extra linebacker to put in the game. A.J. Klein, their third linebacker next to Edmonds and Milano, he went on the COVID list the day of the game. On Monday morning, he pops up He's with He's a good player. Well, apparently, A.J. Klein is of the Cole Beasley thought process. In terms of the COVID vaccine. Uh, I see. So an unvaccinated player pops up COVID positive the night before the game or the day before the game or morning of, and they don't have the extra linebacker. So they had to play nickel for a lot of right. this game against the Patriots who are running the football exclusively down their throats. They did mix in some base, but the uh, the third linebacker that they put on the field was, was not, he's a practice squad guy. It was right. not pretty. So they played a lot of nickel against the Patriots, which was shocking. But then the Patriots, from wide receivers to tight ends to the linemen, everybody, Jakob Johnson, every, they had their way. Cracking heads, yeah. They, they were literally blowing this team up on the line of scrimmage. And I have never seen an NFL run the same run-blocking concept in half of football over and over and over again and have that much success with it. Like eventually you learn how to fit it up. Like eventually you, you adjust to it and you figure out something else. And then the offense has to go to a complimentary option, right? The Patriots were running G lead uh, where the front side guard pulls instead of the backside guard. And they must've gained, I think I charted them with 70 rushing yards in the second half on G lead. It was yeah. just right down their throats with it over and over and over again. And the fact that the Bills could never adjust to it, they could never fit it up, it wasn't necessarily, I don't think, a schematic or an X's and O's thing. I just think it was a human-on-human thing, right? It was a body-on-a-body, a a hat-on-a-hat, and they just did not have the physicality or the strength or the power or the point of attack to do anything about it. And it was shocking to see that, you know, bodies flying everywhere. Even Jacoby Myers, uh, who blocked extremely well in this game, I thought, and and deserves a lot of kudos for inserting and firing himself at the DBs, right? The the safeties and the and the nickel corners in the box. Uh, he was going right after those guys. He's throwing uh, uh, Tremaine Johnson um, or Teron Johnson, excuse me, the the Bills yeah. slot corner. He's throwing him, you know, three four yards back, a wide receiver. Just layering, uh, lowering his shoulder into guys. Shaq Mason took Tremaine Edmonds, picked him up, and threw him out of a gap at one point. Right. Right. I mean, it was just insane to watch uh, how little sand in the pants this Buffalo defense had and how the Patriots, it didn't matter that they were calling the same play. They were still able to just do it over and over and over again, and Buffalo couldn't stop it. And I know the Bills fans and the Bills after the game said, oh, it was really one big run. It wasn't one big run. Like that, that is such baloney. It wasn't one big run. They averaged over four yards per carry 
outside taking out Damian Harris's 64 yard touchdown. They still averaged over four yards per carry and you run the ball looking for the big one, right? I mean, that you're hoping to get that one big right. run. The Patriots had eight runs of over 10 plus yards in this game. Eight, not, not just one in the 64 yarder seven others besides Damian Harris's touchdown. So this certainly wasn't just a one play type of game. The, the Patriots ran it with authority down Buffalo's throat. And I, I give Josh McDaniels a lot of credit as well, because early on in this game, they were running their bread and butters. They were running a lot of power, a lot of uh, crack toss, a lot of the things that we see them run every single week. But then when they get into the second half, they pull out G lead, which is not really a play the Patriots typically run. It's right. something that they run only as a game plan type of wrinkle. And they ran G lead in the second half and they were not ready for it. And so I give McDaniels a lot of credit for pulling out a scheme uh, at the bottom of the barrel of the playbook, so to speak, and, and figuring out a way uh, to have a compliment to move the football in the second half. Well, I, I mean, it goes back to what I said before. This was football in its purest form. It's your 11 versus their 11. Who's going to push the other back? And I make this point two or three times a year, and you roll your eyes at it. And I made it – I make it hypothetically. Like, I never thought this yeah. was going to be put into practice. But whenever we're talking about yards per player, specifically yards per rush, my theory, again, hypothetically, if you run the ball for 3.4 yards per carry, you never need to punt. You never need to kick field goals. You never need to throw. If you literally run for 3.4 yards on every carry, you'll pick up a first down every time and you'll keep moving the ball. I never thought I would see that actually put into practice. Right. But it turns out it works if you can run the ball well enough. Because again, the one big run thing, you point out the 10 yard runs, it doesn't even need to be big. It, it wasn't about the big runs. Obviously, that's a huge play. That was a turning point in the game. I don't want to diminish it, but it wasn't about, oh, these big runs. It was about they moved the ball. They kept the clock moving. They shortened the game. They kept Josh Allen off the field. That's what it was. Everybody looks at the big run as the, this big moment. And as much as that was a big moment, some of those little first downs, right? Keeping the team on the field, keeping the offense on the field between quarters, making it so the Bills didn't get an extra drive with the wind at their back, things like that. Like the running game, uh, I want to exactly talk about what that needed to do as well. But uh, really, uh, that sixty-four yard run, just being there in person and feeling the the air come out of the stadium oh, must when, when Damon Harris broke away, and then converting on the two point conversion too, and making it eight nothing. I, I know that this is, seems crazy. The the game truly felt over at that I, point. I agree with you because yeah. I and you know. As, as big as that run was, and I think it was big, and we talked about this when we did the show on Thursday or Friday or whenever we did it, that scoring first, as important as that is in any football game, scoring first was so monumental in this game. And then to get that two-point conversion, well, it's not just that they got the two-point conversion. It's, again, McDermott, who I'm trying really hard not to totally go in on because I want to do that as his own thing. But why the hell did he not go for two after they scored? Okay. Yeah. The, the, the one and two point game makes no difference. And if they go for two and they get it, and by the way, Josh Allen, as and they didn't do this in the red zone either, pretty decent weapon when you're trying to pick up a two point conversion. Right. They only need a field goal at the end of that game. They yeah. don't need the touchdown. Like that two point conversion, the run was obviously huge, but that two point conversion too was so massive. No, that was, to me, that was the most impactful play of the game. That was hands down 
the most impactful play of that game. Yeah, so I thought Damon Harris ran really well. Ramondre Stevenson forced nine missed tackles. Oh, he was they, excellent. They, they couldn't tackle the guy. Uh, actually, it, it was you saw the to... you saw the Legarrette Blunt comparison. You saw last night why we were making that comparison during the draft. Yeah, the uh, the advanced metrics, which I know you hate, but uh, rushing yards over expected had Damian Harris higher than Ramondre Stevenson by quite a bit. But I actually felt like Ramondre made more out of less, right? I I, I thought that yeah. he was the one that was dancing out of a lot of tackles, and and he had one play where the the outside corner, the forced defender on his right, has him dead to rights, and he just completely shakes out of the tackle, right? A little jump, yeah. right? Fake outside jump cut back inside and around and up, and ends up breaking that one for a ten plus yard gain. So I thought Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris ran extremely well in this game. Brandon Bolden had a huge third down play, third and four picks up the first down on the ground. He also had the two-point conversion. So everybody did their jobs in that running back room in this game. And uh, the last thing I want to mention, then we can get into some of your your Bills uh, Mafia stuff and all that okay. kind of, of fun stuff. But this is all kind of getting into that and, and segueing into that. So I think they broke it down on the game broadcast a little bit with, uh, I don't know who their rules expert is on Monday Night Football, but I think they were talking about it. So a few years ago, the NFL – uh, altered the rule about the coin toss. The, oh, the, yeah. The Bills deferred their decision on the coin toss to the second half, which now means when we get out of the locker room in the second half, the Bills could have actually picked the wind, right? right? They could have played the wind and they could have kicked the ball off again to the Patriots in the second half, but then had the wind in the fourth quarter. And right. I don't think Sean McDermott knew that. I agree. I don't I, think he knew yeah. because if, if Bill Belichick is in that position, I guarantee you he's setting his team up to be with the wind in the fourth quarter. He's I done it before. Yeah. He would kick the ball off. And so basically the Patriots opened the game with the football. The bills could have had the ball go back to pay the Patriots after the half. So the patch would have started both halves with the ball, but McDermott would have picked the wind. So when they're driving to win the game there at the end of the game, in the fourth quarter, instead of Josh Allen throwing into the wind, he would have had the wind at his back and probably would have had a much better chance of winning that game late. So I actually don't think that Sean McDermott knew that rule. So, yeah. So to, just to break it down a little bit more, and I talked about this when I was on with Adam Jones last night, when yeah. you win the coin toss, you don't have, it's not two choices. It's actually one choice and then it's four choices. Right. So your first choice is, do you want the kick? Do you want to receive or do you want to pick which end zone you're going? Like you can pick which direction to go. So that's two choices, right? Left or right. Um, so the first thing is, do you want to pick one of those or do you want to pick one of those in the second half? That's yeah. why it's deferring. You're not deferring getting the ball. You're deferring your choice and right. then how it works. So then the other team, the team that lost the coin toss, they get to pick one of those four and they generally choose, you know, receive because they're not going to get a choice in the second half. Right, kick or receive, or they can take the direction. And then whether they choose direction or kick or receive, you then it's a third choice that's made. You get to choose the other one. So you win the coin toss, you defer your choice to the second half. The other team makes their choice of the four options, and you make your choice of the remaining two. When you come out in the second half, you then get to choose from those four options, right? So you uh, what a team technically could do, like I'm almost surprised Bill didn't, because the Bills won the toss and deferred, right? Right. Bill could have taken the wind in the first half. Yeah. I don't think he wanted to give Josh Allen the ball twice, which is ultimately what he would have ended up doing. Uh, but 
You also so that, don't know. You also don't know how bad the wind is going to be the whole ex- game. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So anyway, so the reason I think there's a legitimate chance Sean McDermott didn't know the rule is I think it was two years ago. Dak Prescott didn't know the rule because what happened, the Cowboys won the toss. They deferred. So, or no, sorry. They didn't, they didn't defer. So they won the toss. And instead of saying defer, Dak Prescott said, we are going to kick. So instead of deferring the choice, he made the choice. They kicked. And then the opponent, I don't remember who the opponent was, but then the opponent gets to choose in the second half. And they said, we want to receive. So basically the Cowboys kicked off twice. They yeah. kicked off to start the game and start the second half. So we've seen this before where a, a player didn't know the rule. I think it's very possible Sean McDermott didn't know the rule. He Matthew didn't Slater know. knows that rule. Right. I guarantee it, it. Cowboys Twitter, you said? And I said Matthew Slater knows that oh, rule. Matthew, oh, of course. Of course. Right. I Slater tweeted something, or Slater said something about it. He was asked about it when that happened. I'd have to go back and find yeah. it. But, and I don't know what's worse if you're a Bills fan, that McDermott didn't know the rule, or he knew the rule, they didn't take advantage of it. Yeah. I honestly don't know which is more embarrassing. Um, before we get into, to, to isn't it just take. great though that th- th- this formula that we're talking about? We haven't done a show in a long time, Alex, where we got to say that uh, the Patriots just completely pantsed a coaching staff like this. This is how you know the Patriots are back because oh, yeah. now they're throwing the ball three times and winning games because of a windstorm and they play the situation. They play much better situational football than Buffalo in this game. They outcoach Buffalo by a landslide in this game. This is all, all the Brady factors aside, right? All, all the Tom Brady right. stuff during the Patriots dynasty, they won a lot of games like this. I know people, yeah. I'm not trying to take away from Brady, but they won a lot of games where they just were the more prepared and the, the, they were at a, in a different class. More informed. Uh, uh, right, of the opponent. And that's exactly what we got on Monday night. And this is how you know the Patriots are back. Well, I mean, Bill, the, the reason we all know that rule in New England is because in overtime against Denver, and this is before right. they changed the overtime rules, you could win with a field goal. Bill took the wind in overtime. He had a chance to yeah. take the ball. He didn't. He took the wind. Wes Welker muffs a punt. This was the game they came back from down 21 on a, yeah. uh, the week of Thanksgiving, the Sunday of Thanksgiving, Sunday night, Brady Payton. Um, so that's why we all know the rule, because they've done it before. Before we move on to trashing the Bills, I we haven't even said Miles Bryant's name once. Yeah, he was And he played time. so well. I just want to throw yeah. that out there. Like, this kid was such a find. And Bills, I, I think they really like him, too. Bill has raved about him. Um I just want to make sure he gets his due on this show because he cares. So yeah. Much, so I but. thought that the, uh, the game, the TV angle, the broadcast angle yeah. of the final play on fourth down didn't do it justice. Just how much of a great play that was by okay. Miles Bryant, because when you watch it from the end zone angle on the all 22, it would have been close, right? It still would have been a contested pass, but it looked like Josh Allen's throw was actually going to give Gabriel Davis a chance to make a play against Jalen Mills, right? Yeah. It, it, it looked like from the TV angle that the ball was way behind him and actually watching it live. I, I kind of did a, a double take, like where is Josh Allen throwing this football? When you watch it from the, the back end zone angle, uh, you can see the ball is actually out in front of Gabriel Davis a little bit. And if it cuts through the wind uh, with enough velocity, I think that he's going to have a chance to make that play. So miles Bryant played it, the cover zero technique perfectly. Uh, he had initial good coverage on Cole Beasley. And I know, I know a lot of people said, Oh, why didn't Josh Allen throw the ball to Cole Beasley? He didn't throw the ball to Cole Beasley because Cole Beasley was covered. 
right? And the reason right, why right. he threw the second guy in was because that was the open receiver. So Miles Bryant uh, ha- has that open technique and man coverage, sees that Josh Allen's not going to throw the ball to Cole Beasley, peels off and falls into the passing window for the second guy in on the second in, in route, and he is right in the passing lane and makes a terrific, terrific read and play on the ball. And I think if Miles Bryant sticks with Cole Beasley and never falls off there, we're at least talking about a ball in the end zone, right? We're, we're talking about right. a throw and a bang, bang play in the end zone between Gabriel Davis and Jalen Mills. And I'm very glad that we didn't have to find out what that, how that would have turned out. Right. I, I'm, no, yeah. no offense to Jalen Mills, but it, it, I think the Patriots are very happy that, that it didn't get that far. So uh, don't take the TV angle. Sometimes the broadcast angle is deceptive in terms of where the ball is actually flying and the angle of the football. If you watch it from the end zone angle, it's a lot closer than it looked on TV. And, and it really was a, a just a fantastic heads up play by Miles Bryant. Okay. So are we on to the trashing the bills part? Go ahead. Not that okay. we haven't been pre- trashing the bills for the last hour, but yeah. Well, so here's kind of the point I was dancing around before that I wanted to make separately because it deserves to yeah. be its own point. The Bills are coming apart at the seams. And I never thought this was that mentally tough a team coming into the season. But, and you know, that's a tough game to lose. That's a tough game to lose. And it it takes a strong team to come back from that. And then what happened after the game, I just don't know that there's coming back from that. Right. And Sean McDermott said a number of things, but but here's here's the money quote here. Uh, That's the wrong one. Let me pull up the right one because I you won't believe it unless I read it. Here we go. All right. This is Sean McDermott after the game. Quote, let's not give more credit than we need to give Bill Belichick in this one. Whether it was Bill or anybody else, they beat us, right? You sit here and you tell me when we start with an average starting field position of the 40 and he starts at the 23. I'm rounding both cases. And we were one for four in the red zone. They They were 0 for 1 in the red zone. You give me that ahead of time. I'd say I like my chances. I like my chances. I don't think, with all due respect, it's not a Bill Belichick-type thing. It's what you do with the opportunities you got. What are you doing with the opportunities you got? We turn the ball over on the plus 30-something yard line. Sloppy football, sloppy football. I'm very comfortable in that situation. So, look, I think I understand what Sean McDermott was trying to do there. He's trying to fire a shot across the bow of his players. He's trying to wake them up. He did not accomplish that. What he did was call out Bill Belichick. And in some ways himself. And first off, good thing for Sean McDermott that Bill Belichick doesn't take these kinds of things personally. You know, he didn't take Eric Mangini personally. He didn't take the Parcells stuff personally. He doesn't still have a vendetta against the Jets. That's very good news for Sean McDermott, who has to play Bill Belichick again in three weeks. The other part, if we really break this down, because so originally I I wasn't in on McDermott's presser. So he throws out that first point. Let's not give more credit than we need to give Belichick credit in this one so I start looking at okay well what are the Belichick you know what are the Belichick cornerstones where the Patriots did well so I'm looking at situational football third downs red zones and before I can finish looking it up we see the full quote and he makes that exact point for me right it's like that meme he just tweeted it out yeah John McDermott basically what he said if we break it down if you allow me to translate here Bill Belichick wasn't that great in this game They dominated situationally, but Bill Belichick wasn't that great in this game. They dominated in Bill Belichick's core belief, but it's not about Belichick. That's like going to a Guns N' Roses show. They stumble through Chinese democracy, right? Slash nails the solo on November rain. (laughs) But you walk out saying, yeah, but you know, 
I really wish they played more Chinese democracy. That's not why that's not why you're there. That's not why anybody's there. That's not why Guns N' Roses is there. Okay? <laughs> Bill Belichick, and look, I do agree that, you know, was it a great game plan? Yes. Should it go to Canton, as some people suggested? Okay, like I get it. But yeah. where the Patriots truly excelled at that game was the in-game adjustments and the situational, the, the situational football. Right. That is Bill Belichick's bread and butter. And that is where he dominated, dominated the Buffalo Bills. But Sean McDermott would have you think that it had nothing to do with Bill and that it had nothing to do with him. I'm comfortable with that, right? He says in the quote, I'm comfortable with that. So he's trying to put this on his players. Now let's go into that. Let's not forget that. I actually thought for the most part, the Bills execution wasn't bad. I think they got left out to drive by their coaching staff quite a bit. He calls out the players there. He tried to take a weird pot shot at Nikhil Harry, which that wasn't the best decision. Like cards on the table. We're doing 40 minutes on that today if the Patriots lose that game, but they didn't. Um, but he takes a weird pot shot at Nikhil Harry and seemingly Belichick, but he really throws his own player under the bus who was a healthy scratch. And then I don't know Isaiah McKenzie tweets, damn, McKenzie's been there for a while. Yeah. McKenzie's been in that locker room. Better in play. He kind of took a like underhanded, nasty shot at Brian Dable, who the players really like. So he's taking shots at his team as a whole. He's taking shots at a team leader. He's taking shots at a popular coach. You haven't won consecutive games since September or maybe early October. Things got to be coming apart at the seams because that was on him, whether it was the, that horrible challenge and burning a timeout, whether it was calling for the fake injury that ultimately cost them a chance to at least return a punt and have a shot, even though, again, he benched his top punt returner, like one of the best punt returners in the league, benched that guy for absolutely no reason, whether it was kicking that point after, after going for two like we talked about. He was horrible. He was horrible. And you know why? Because this is what the Bills do. And, Evan, I've made – I'm so glad because I've tried to make this point to you and to other people for months now about the math he coaches. They do what they are going to do regardless of the external factors. They're going to look down on that spreadsheet and do what the spreadsheet tells them. The spreadsheet's not accounting for 50-mile-an-hour wins. The spreadsheet's not accounting for the best defense in the league being on the other side. But they're going to look down at that sheet and do what they want to do. They're going to keep banging their head against the wall, right? The, the door might be right here, but they're going to keep – they're going to stand right here and just keep banging their head against the wall until either the wall breaks through or they just knock themselves out. And it was I, – again, I'll say it. I don't know that you can't win a Super Bowl with Sean McDermott. I don't know that you can do it. And if I'm the Bills, he's coaching for his job here down the stretch. So that was my my final question here, and then we got to wrap it. I got I got well, I got a few more quick ones, but go ahead. Is Sean McDermott the head coach of the Bills in 2022? He will be because where the franchise was before he got there. Yeah. Right. I I think that because it. You know, but, I, was, I was talking to Matthew Fryburn, who, who writes for The Athletic about the Patriots now, but he was a Bills writer for a long time before yeah. that. Just came over here to New England now. I was talking to him after the game, and he said the thing that he evaluates about the Bills or has assessed about the Bills is that the Bills are filled are a team filled with a bunch of fake tough guys, right? A bunch of guys oh, that, that. that want to be blue-collar, that want to be tough, that want to be, uh, you know, those types of guys. And that to me is the head coach, right? In a nutshell, yeah. that he is somebody that thinks that he's tough, that thinks that he's a hard nosed dude, but ultimately he's a, he's a, he's a whiny baby, honestly, 
he's ultimately somebody that unravels at the seams in games like that and kicks and stomps his feet on on the sideline and then comes in the post-game press conference and blames everybody but himself for the team losing the game and I think that that locker room it maybe not tough in terms of physical toughness right I I, I don't think they're the most uh, physically tough football team in the league by any means but I think that there are players in that locker room that are tough guys that are, uh, you know, smart, savvy, veteran, experienced type of players, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, you know, those types of guys that I think are really uh, are Mitch Morse, their center. I I think a lot of those guys do embody that toughness a little bit. And I actually think Josh Allen is a pretty, uh, you know, I I don't think he's fake, right? I I don't think he's a, a, a fake persona. Sean McDermott's a fraud. Yeah. I'm sorry. Sean McDermott is the fraud of that bunch. And eventually I, I think that their, their players and Josh Allen in particular, I eventually think that they are going to take notice of that. And eventually I do think that McDermott is going to be out in Buffalo. See, I think that game was that, that was the game I think where was the wake up would be the wake up call for what you're right. talking about, where the players take a long look at Sean McDermott and say, do we really want to play for this guy? Yeah. Like I think, and by the way, some of the coaches too, I wonder if yeah. some of the assistant coaches look at that the way he, he took no accountability. Yeah. None after he took, let's not forget all of the praise last year. Yeah. So I, and, and yeah, you mentioned the character. I don't know, you know, for McDermott to some of those players, to the fans, they all reflect each other. Yeah. Because you've mentioned the toughness. The fans want to build a dome. So, yeah, okay, let's start here. I heard all week that Buffalo has the best home field advantage in the NFL. And actually, that, in theory, might be true. I don't necessarily disagree with that. But you're telling me it's that same environment without the wind and the cold and the snow. Suddenly, like, you know, we're Buffalo. We're tough. We go out and we break through tables when it's negative 10 degrees out. We're drinking all day in the parking lot. Now suddenly we need a dome. We need a dome. Couple things. First, I've off, heard you, some, I heard some Bills people on Twitter talking about the dome even before this game. So I am sure that the cries because they're they're trying to, uh, you know, build a new stadium there. They're going right. to build a new stadium there uh, here it soon. It would be so wrong if they put a dome in Buffalo. There was I saw polls about domes. Right? Should debate? Should they? Somebody asked Josh Allen about whether Josh Allen would prefer to play in a dome or not. And he said, no comment. Uh, that was a few weeks ago. So I true the, the cries from Bill's mafia to build a dome in Buffalo, because they are now a pass happy team that wants to throw the ball with their 10, uh, you know, their quarterback is under contract for the next 10 years, right. Or whatever it is, they are going to, uh, they might actually get them to build a dome. It might so actually happen. Here's so, and this goes to the bills and their fans are so short-sighted, right? It goes back to, right, They no adjustments. The Bills wanted to make no adjustments. They're just going to do things as they are. Two things if you build a dome. One, if you build a dome, guess what? It's not getting built in Buffalo. The whole yeah. point of having football in Buffalo is that outdoor experience. Enjoy the Austin Bills. Enjoy the San Antonio Bills, right? Enjoy the St. Louis Bills. Because if, they, if that franchise gets a dome, those are the cities it's getting the dome. That dome's not being built in Buffalo. And again, it's just, second of all, 
by the time that I don't know how much Bills fans know about stadium construction because their whole they never wanted a dome. They were this blue collar smash mouth team. Now that they've built a dome team in terms of roster construction, because again, they built it super mathy. They didn't consider the conditions. By the time that dome gets built, Josh Allen's probably going to be retired. These things take 15 to 20 years. Yeah. And then on top of that, you can't just keep building dome teams and think, oh, well, all our problems are solved because you still have to go to New England. Right. You're still going to have to go to the Cincinnati's, the Baltimore's, the Pittsburgh's. If the Jets somehow ever figure it out, you still got to go down to New Jersey. Right. And then again, there's supposed to be this tough, we we're not afraid of anything coming to our house, house of horrors, like a dome just doesn't belong in, in, in Buffalo. Another example, by the way, the Bills fans being short-sighted. Okay. What are you, what are your last few things? Okay. Here's my last points. So I know we got to wrap it up. Yeah. To the Bills fans that, to the Bills fan that called me out for being wrong about the Patriots game plan. And then I dropped the clip of this show where I said Mac Jones was in the passenger seat. And then he apologized and said he was just drunk and upset and has been DMing me since begging me to take the tweet down. That is classic Bills right there. Uh, to the numerous Bills fans who have DM'd me for my tweets that were just quoting what your coach said, uh, telling me I'm ugly, telling me I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, I, I'm really glad you're coping. Shout out to you. Okay, can, um, can we talk about the your ugly one? Because I mean, look, she's not wrong. But it's a hell of a way to cope. A girl from the University of Buffalo from the top rope just, That's right, DMs, you saw it. just DMs Alex and says, you're ugly, though. <laughs> no, not though. It's just you're ugly. But credit to her. She used the right your. So for Buffalo, you know, credit to her. Um, I listened to the Bills postgame show on the radio. Uh, caller calling in, demanding to his whole take. And then five callers called in and agreed with him. Bill Belichick's not really that smart. He's never been that smart. He's just been lucky for 20 years. Okay, if that's how you have to cope with it. Um, and then finally, and this is part of the reason I have the vendetta against the city of Buffalo this week, is I got every single thing I tweeted for the last two weeks. Oh, well, you know, let's talk about how Patriots fans are so unclassy and they're cheering the Trey White injury. I don't think... Anybody, I never, first of all, I never saw that. I saw people point out that like it was a big deal in the context of football, which it is. I didn't see a single person say they're glad he's hurt. Nobody's glad he's hurt. He's a good player. You want to watch good players. But Bills fans, their rallying cry this week was to get revenge for the Patriots fans cheering on the Trey White injury, allegedly. Uh, And then, which again, I didn't see that, but I know what I heard when Adrian Phillips got hurt late in that game. Yeah. I know what I heard then. So if you're a Bills fan and you're still talking about that, be very careful. Be very careful. Maybe just turn your phones off for two days. And the final point, my final point here, because this is what that whole game summed up. I A lot of people, because when I said at the beginning of the year, the Bills were going to regress, the Bills were going to regress. And no, you could look at Josh Allen. He's figured it out. They have a good coach, yada, yada, yada. There's two, you know, being a good football team, people liked the Bills. The Bills were a popular pick because their players have high Madden ratings, because they're good to draft in fantasy, because they show up on highlight tapes. And look, you need those guys to win. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but as much as football is that, right? As much as football is about having talented players, football is a it's it's a it's a mental game. It's making adjustments. It's being able it's being able to take away what the other team does well. It's being able to adapt when the other team takes away what you do well. 
And last night was a perfect, you needed to have both. You can't just have good coaching and you can't just have talent. You need to marry the two. That game was a perfect example of what happens when you just throw talent together and you don't assemble a team. That's exactly what that game was. Because again, the Bills fans, oh, the Bills are still a better team. The Patriots just outcoached them. Last time I checked, the coaches are part of the team. They're right on the website. They fly on the plane. They have offices in the building. That to me is where everybody has, that is why the Patriots have gotten off to this start and seemingly blindsided everybody. Because when people look at what makes a good team, they look at the highlight reels. They look at the Madden's numbers. They look at the fantasy stats. They don't look at what's going on in between the ears. And that, that was the difference in that game. All right, I'm done. There you go. Well, that that sums it up perfectly. The Patriots play the Buffalo Bills again in week 16. Oh, sorry. Last point. Last point. We talked about the psychological for the Bills, right? That game. If you're a Bills fan, Bill Belichick comes in and beats you in the biggest regular season home game potentially in franchise history. And now you got to come out of that and you got to face Tom Brady, who's been your daddy for 20 years. That's got to feel great. Um, and how's, you know, how's it going to go? Cause McDermott, the, sorry, I know I said I'd stop. I keep thinking of these yeah. to go back to the McDermott point real quick. The three biggest games, the bills have played under McDermott. He blew a 24 point lead in the playoffs to Bill O'Brien. Okay. He didn't just blow into, or, or sorry, 21 point, 21 or 24. I actually don't remember that wild card game in 19. He blew, uh, a, he blew a three touchdown lead to Bill O'Brien of all people in the playoffs. Uh, the AFC Championship game last year was not a well-coached game by any means. The 19-point lead. The 19-point lead. It's still too many points. Um, it's a three-score game. The The Chiefs game last year, he, he got super conservative, oddly enough, early in that game and kind of let the Chiefs run away with it. And then last night, the three biggest games they've played in the McDermott era, they've lost all three of them. All three losses have been because of poor coach. All right, All right, now I'm 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 done. I'm done. I'll unplug. My so the Bills, uh, the Patriots, obviously go on the bye. Then they have Indianapolis and Buffalo after the bye. The Bills have to play Tampa Brady on Sunday. Then they go to Carolina. They'll probably beat the Panthers, or maybe the Panthers go to Buffalo. I, I don't remember where that game is. Uh, the Panthers are a mess, so they'll they'll probably win that game. And they get New England again in Week 16. So. All the Bills fans that have, have been crying over the last couple of days about how the Patriots only won this game because of the weather conditions but and that, all that kind of stuff. We'll see. The Bills played on the same field. People yeah. are acting like it was played in two different cities. It, you know, again, that's the point. One team adjusted to the conditions. The other team did not. That's not an unfair advantage. That is football. That is the yeah. essence of the game of football. It is a game of the elements. One team handled them. The other team didn't. It's not an unfair advantage. It's being better than your opponent. Well, we'll see. I still think the Patriots are going to win the game in Foxborough anyways. And I, need, I need a blizzard in that game. I like As much as it would be great to say, well, there you go. The Patriots beat the Bills without the weather. I'd rather just leave as an unknown. Let them run 50 times in that next game and beat them. Sorry. All right. Now, <laughs> are you sure you're done? I, Probably I not, but, but you can keep trying. <laughs> So uh, by week, uh, we're going to do a show on Tuesday of next week, a Q&A by week edition off the buy, if you want to call it that. And we uh, are going to take all your questions for an hour. We promise we've been wanting to do a Q&A for a really long time. So Tuesday afternoon Q&A session with myself and Alex Barth. And then on Thursday, we will preview the Saturday matchup or maybe Friday, the Saturday matchup against the Indianapolis Colts, which I think is a really fascinating a schematic matchup yeah. of Frank Reich against Bill Belichick, an offense in Indy 
that is built in a lot of ways uh, to attack a Patriots defense in, in some of their vulnerabilities, an offense that can run the ball, that can throw it short, that can pick up yards after the catch, all those types of things. So we'll see what happens uh, with that game. It's a very similar scheme to what beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl when uh, Frank Reich was the offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. So we'll see what happens. But next week, Tuesday, uh, back to Tuesday, Friday, uh, show schedule, Q&A on Tuesday, Friday preview show. But that was a lot of fun. I'm glad we got to uh, to, to trash okay. on the bills for an hour and 20 minutes. I got now, one more. All right, really Real quick. quick, I forgot about it. If you, if you, because I see people talking about the tears of Bills fans, this goes with the dome thing. So the way Bills fans have rationalized this, they are now saying this was a good thing because the team is better off getting the wild card in the division because they're better built to play in Tennessee or in Indy in the dome than have to play a playoff game at home. Uh, in one week, they have gone from claiming they have the best home field advantage in all of football to now a road playoff game is a good thing. And on that note, we will see you guys next week. Thanks for watching, everybody. That was a lot of fun for Alex Barth. I'm Evan Lazar. We'll see you next week and enjoy the bye week, everybody.